What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. This is episode 49. Uh, as I talked about in that spin the yarn, uh, I am currently medically out of the game right now, but I rec- pre-recorded this uh, for Chief Bob, who uh, <laughs> who did an interview with a buddy of his. It's a limited duty officer. Uh, they got into some some really cool topics, uh, just leadership to de- development, uh, the career of the of the LDO buddy of his that he came up with through boot camp and. Um, they got into a whole bunch of cool things and, and I'll kind of let the interview speak for itself and, and, uh, and Bob did a the little intro for it as well. But, uh, he, he did this interview. You may hear a couple more of these depending on how, uh, all my treatment stuff goes, but, uh, you know, just, <laughs> I'm really grateful for, uh, the help and the backup from, uh, from him and others as I knock out all this health stuff. But, uh, for now, just enjoy the interview. All right. How's it going, everybody? I am not the normal host, as uh, I'm sure a previous intro has explained, Um, but uh, I've been on a couple of episodes before, and uh, I've got a a buddy of mine who has a pretty unique uh, career background, um, very similar to mine in some aspects, but uh, he's he's kind of seen a little bit more, and I'll let him go into that, but uh, um, I just wanted to get his take on a few a few things that we've been talking about through the last couple of episodes so uh so how's it going man uh, go ahead give yourself uh or you know kind of your background something about you however much or however little you want to say all right good afternoon um i don't even know what time it is by you but it's early by me and i'm sure it's late by you so oh yeah thanks for asking me to do this Uh, i'm looking forward to cutting through the water on some leadership issues with you and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So, um, I've been in for exactly the same amount of time, basically to the day almost that you have, uh, about 13 years. Yeah. I think you got a week on me. I do. And that's cause I went to boot camp twice basically. And that's how we met. So I've been on all fast attack submarines, three of them, uh, two out of Norfolk, one out of Groton was a enlisted guy for the last 12 commissioned, uh, about five months ago as a LDO and, in talking to you yesterday, the people that say LDO are usually the, the lousy ones. But so I'm a naval officer now. Um, <laughs> hey, man, I just don't want you to sell yourself short. <laughs> so um, I've had some interesting things happen to me. I've been in some interesting situations. Uh, I've deployed all over the place, as I'm sure a lot of other people have. And uh, I'm ready to tackle some of these some of these topics with you. Yeah, yeah. So. We tend to, you know, you and I tend to have some fairly strong slash unconventional opinions sometimes um, about things. We're both very opinionated people, whether it's for better or worse. Um, How has that kind of affected you going through, you know, like as junior enlisted, your time in the Chiefs mess, now as an LDO, whatever the case is. um, How is that, uh, that, that kind of loudmouth personality that we, we tend to have, how is that? helped or hurt you and and do you recommend it <laughs> so i am still a loudmouth outspoken you use the word unconventional um, i am definitely unconventional i think that my experiences and the time that i spent as a chief and as a senior chief helped me in all aspects of what i'm doing now um, sometimes though, I have to think I'm not a chief anymore and I have to let people that are chiefs be chiefs. 
Um, that's so, hard. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, well, so so with that too, to, to caveat this time, uh, uh, when when you say like remember that you're not a chief anymore, whatever the case is, right? Is it's you didn't. We've been in a relatively short. Well, I don't know. To me, I always feel like it's I've never been in long enough, right? There's always somebody more senior, somebody been in longer. But for you to go through and then make senior chief and spend like, you know, an actual amount of time as a senior chief before you go as an LDO, it's not like you you weren't one of the guys that like put in a package the first time you're up for chief and then you got, you know, you made chief and then six months later you got commissioned, right? You you spent time in the chief's quarters. Yeah, uh, I did <laughs> a lot of it actually. Over half of the time that I was in the Navy so far, I've I've been a chief. So uh, I made chief at the six and a half year point, senior chief at the ten year point, and then I spent basically three years as a senior chief before I commissioned. So I did what I did on purpose. I could have and probably should have, looking back on it, put a LDO package in as a first class eligible for chief because. A lot of my peers now that are ensigns or JGs or even lieutenants never spent a day as a chief. And I I don't necessarily think that that hurts them. I don't look at them any differently because they're still my peers now. But for me, in the way that I view things and the way that I look at, at things, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been a chief because I got taught all kinds of things, how to be a leader, how to interact with people, you know, because I'm from New Jersey and a lot of my interactions with people are not very positive because it's just the way I I was raised. But I kind of check that a little bit. And I mean, there's just experiences to being in the chief's quarters that I wouldn't have got if I didn't spend time in the chief's quarters. So I I think I think I made the right decision. So so with that, then I kind of got two two questions for you then. you know, you said making chief at six and a half years, which obviously is on the uh, very short list of, or the, you know, the very short amount of time. Like, I don't know if how much shorter it's possible technically to make it shy of, you know, like joining as a MU or something and being a first class immediately. And I don't know how any of that affect. I don't know how that works. If there's any MUs out there, let me know because I'm, I'm definitely interested in that career path, not in doing it personally, but it's just a, an abnormal career path. It's interesting to me. But so having been a, basically trying to develop you, the entirety of your leadership experience and your bag of tricks, you know, prior to making chief, like making chief at six years, you don't exactly have as much to draw from as somebody who made it at 17 or whatever the case is, right? But do you think that was like a good thing, a bad thing? How do you think that affected you? Do you think that you did as well as you could have when you first made it? Do you think that was like a disadvantage or an, uh, do you think that, I don't know, what what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? So I'm glad you asked me that. First boat, middle of 2008, my first class at the time. Now, granted, I'm a seaman. I've been on the boat for six months or so, I guess, at this point in time. Had an integrity problem. and. The chief at the time fired him and they sent him down to one of the other divisions. They didn't want to, he was at like 18 years. He was one of those 18 year first class guys. He was a great Mm -hmm. guy. He was a great guy. He had a great personality. He really gave a crap about everybody. He just wasn't most well-rounded leader that you would think after doing this for almost two decades that he would have been. 
and he, he had a history of of kind of telling telling lies. So the chief couldn't trust him anymore. And he, he fired him. Mm-hmm. He told he told me, and and granted, there were like three other people in the division that one had been there longer than me, two already had a warfare device, three were senior to me because again I was like a seaman or at best I was a, a brand new frocked third class. Right. But he pulled me aside and he said he said listen, I want to give you the opportunity of a lifetime. I want to make you the LPO as soon as you put fish on. And I was like whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, that is. Now let me backtrack a little bit before I finish this brief story that I'm going to tell. So between like March 2008 and probably June 2008, I had three chiefs. So March, April, May, June. In four months, I had three chiefs. Here's why. Chief that was there when I checked in, and I actually remember texting you about this. This guy was tattooed more than I'm tattooed, more than you're tattooed, like basically up to his neck and basically down to his ankles. And everywhere in between. And he was super cool. He was like four and a half feet tall. Super, <laughs> super, super approachable guy. But I could tell something was wrong. And I don't know if he was stressed out or if he was having life problems or what. But you could you could tell. He was one of those guys that wore his emotions on his face. Right. Not that he was rude to anybody or unfair to anybody. But I could tell something was going on. So we got underway. One of my very first underways in the Navy. And... Halfway through, he started wearing a baseball cap all the time. Anytime I saw him, he had a baseball cap on, and I couldn't figure out why, because prior to, he had never worn one. And when we pulled in from that underway, he disappeared. And like the next day, we had a new chief, and it was the squadron radio chief. So I I started, because I'm an inquisitive person, I started asking like, hey, where'd chief so-and-so go? Finally, they told me, they said, you know, um, he was suicidal and um, he actually tried to take his life in the fan room while we were underway. And I guess in him, I guess in him doing that, he hit his head on something. So to hide the injury to his head, that's why he was wearing a baseball hat. Got it. So he vanished. Um, I actually haven't talked to him since I I tried to. But at this point in time, I don't even remember what his name was. And uh unfortunately. So I never really had the opportunity to close, you know, close with him. Yeah. Although I have wanted to, because I think that's terrible. And I'm glad that he didn't commit suicide because he was a good dude. So then we got a second guy, that guy took us on deployment. And then when we pulled into our first port of call, we, we got, that was the squadron chief was the second one. Correct. So you knew coming into that, I mean, I don't know how much you would have known at that time, but it was, it was a, a known at least that, that wasn't a permanent replacement. That was a stopgap. Yep, correct. So then we got, a, you know, the second one took us across the pond, if you will. Um, and then we got a third one who is the guy who was at my commissioning that I had take my senior chief cover off. All um, oh, right. And he was an RDC. And uh, the first thing he told me was that my, my boots were laced incorrectly. <laughs> no, hello. No, how are you? No, good to meet you. Just, shipmate, your boots are laced wrong. And I knew that this guy was going to be a stickler. And uh, <laughs> right. we, all, we all knew we were in for the ride of our lives. But anyway, long story short, that's the guy who fired the LPO of 18 years 
And then a couple of months later, after telling me, hey, as soon as you qualify, I'm going to make you the LPO. Uh, he's the reason why I, I got leadership experience of leading people and planning things and organizing things and delegation and all that stuff within my first year on the boat. So, you know, our A school pipeline, if you will, is about a year. I think you and I spent about a year between boot camp and A school and all that crap, probably about 13 months total. Yeah, yeah, and, a little bit and more. We, and then we went off, you know, you went to your C school because you were going to a trident. I went straight to the boat because there was no C school at the time for 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 our job on, on a fast attack. Right. So so within like 25 months, two years or so being in the Navy, I was already in a pseudo leadership position. So so I got I got it early. So I would imagine that would cause some sort of animosity within the division, right? Like if if I was in a division and I had somebody that's basically been in since breakfast and all of a sudden he's the guy trying to tell me what's going on and I've been there for two years or three years, I'm probably not going to take that all too well. You know, like, did you get pushback from that? Did they care? Was it just kind of like, okay, whatever, this guy gets to go to the meetings now and I don't have to? Or how was that taken? Also good questions. So it's, you got to keep in mind, it's been about 10 years since this all happened. So I, f- I kind of feel like an old World War II or old um, you know Vietnam veterans sitting in the VFW telling lies about the war. But this isn't a lie. You know, th- this actually happened. My timing... <laughs> My timing of how I'm describing this might be a little bit off because it's been it's been 10 years. But so I do remember, though, that from when you would text me about all this stuff, whenever we happen to be in port at the same time, you know, we still, you know, obviously we've kept in touch since boot camp. But like every time you would tell me like, oh, I just did this or I just made this or whatever, you know, I just and and the whole time I'm sitting there like at the bottom of the barrel looking around like, dude, what am I doing wrong? Like, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have gone to this boat. Like, how did you get fast tracked to everything? But, I, you know, it's it, that part of that's just the way the Navy is, right? It's at the right place at the right time. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's not necessarily I'm not trying to take away from from you. But I mean, like, sometimes it's just you happen to be at the right place and, and you're the guy standing there smiling with your boots laced properly or right. you know whatever the case is compared <laughs> yeah, yeah. to uh, uh somebody else or for, for whatever reason they just say yeah i like you and i'm gonna i'm gonna try this out and see how it goes but and then other people it's not as a knock to them that they don't have those positions right i've always kind of joked that it, especially on a submarine that qualifications uh are based on necessity um and to some extent, it's true, right? But if you're hurting on, you know, if you've got somebody trying to qualify a watch and they're port and starboard at the time, that person's going to have a lot easier time qualifying that watch. They're going to get pushed through pretty quick to help out the watch bill, right? But if you're if you're sitting fat on that watch bill and you've got, you know, you've got your mid kick and you've got all these extra bodies on it, you tend to crack down a little bit harder on getting those guys qualified and making sure that they know what they're doing before you put them into it because they don't you don't need it you know what i mean so that's why i say like quals are driven by necessity more than the knowledge somewhat jokingly right obviously you still have to have the knowledge but i feel like there's some wiggle room in there depending on the situation for people and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i would like to think that people aren't legitimately going to qualify somebody who doesn't deserve something at least in a baseline and i have no problems of you know knowing an individual person, you can talk to somebody 
and you know like they're capable of more than what they're giving you right so you're going to push them a little bit harder or whatever the case is so anyways that was, that was a little tangent there but so so it's not like it's not that it's unbelievable to me that that you've gone through all these things because it's not like you're the only you know fast tracked to whatever every chief season you hear about it right when you you're talking to everybody you meet them and it's like how long has everybody been in and there's always that guy that's been in like seven years or whatever the case and people are all upset about it and you know it's seven years i was a i was still cranking yeah they're usually a nuke though right for the i would say more often than not yeah the people that are in that position but it, not always, right? But but yeah, I would say that probably a majority of them are are in you know a high attrition rate, and it's just you stuck it out and you're smart, so you get rewarded for that. I walked into a bad situation. I was handed an opportunity. I got lucky, and I seized the moment, if you will, and it worked out for me. I mean, that's all there is to it, right? You could have. Ease, the cards or the table could have easily been turned and I could have went to the trident that you went to and you could have went to the boat that I wound up going to. And this this entire thing would have been reversed, right? And you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's the timing and the command and the, and the situation. And I'll tell you that because that guy gave me that opportunity, from then on to this day, and I'll do it until I retire, I look for opportunities to do that for other people. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's hard, right? Because a lot of that stuff is I'm not a big fan of just like blanket approaches for anything, right? So I'm a, I'm very big like with everything that I do now, it's very much like let me hear the details of this scenario and let me think on this scenario and talk to this person and see, you know, how I feel on it, right? Sure. Cuz you know, I'm at, at a uh, you know, at least around a school students a lot and and obviously you were there and we've both done a tour there prior to that so we're very familiar with first accession sailors and there's always the standard you know this student just can't show up on time or this this student can't whatever he doesn't shave he doesn't you know insert like a baseline sailorization issue that you tend to have with students but every time it's not just like well at least for me my reaction isn't yeah this guy just can't wake up on time let's do whatever insert generic emi here or whatever the case is right like every time i'm that guy that wants to dig in and like okay well what's the reason for this one and you know sometimes i you gain something out of it and you find out like some crazy stuff that's going on that people don't want to bring up because they're embarrassed they're intimidated whatever the case is but then there's you know there's still definitely those times where it's just the generic like he was just up too late talking on snapchat to his girl back home or whatever the case you know it's just they're just staying up too late playing video games doing insert standard 19 year old human being reason here and they just didn't sleep enough and the the few times that you find that extra reason or that that outlier is where i'm like ah okay that was worth my time to ask this question maybe maybe that's just me but i i feel like i'd rather ask that question every time and do that that extra legwork because i mean worst case scenario i waste some time talking to somebody to find out that he just needs to wake up on time but best case scenario i find out there's some other underlying thing that they don't want to bring up and then you can you can fix that right and then you're fixing the actual problem and not the symptom sure that makes sense so you like you said you try to uh 
kind of look for those those same opportunities, right? You're not you're not going to default to you're the most senior, you've been in the longest, so therefore you are the next guy in charge or girl or whatever the case is, right? You're kind of everybody here together. The best leader is the best leader, kind of regardless of rank. I'm I'm guess is kind of what you're trying to say. I'm guessing. Yep. I I had a first class in my division um, while I was doing my Chiefs tour that was not performing properly. I mean, at all. Mm-hmm. At all. It was it was not planning. It was not organizing. He was not delegating. He was not uh, not showing up. He was eating in my divisional operational spaces on watch after I told him time and time again not to. And guess what? I fired him. And I put a second class in charge. And I look back on my chief putting me in a leadership position over other people who were one senior and two had more time there and three were probably better qualified for the job at the time. But those people are all out of the Navy now. And I think he knew that. I think he knew that they had already had plans to move on and I was going to stick around. So because this kid, because that's what I was at the time, because this kid is going to stick around, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket right now and train him and give him an opportunity because I want him to stick around and I know that these other folks are not going to stick around, you know, and in in the case when I did it myself to a bunch of folks on the boat, um, the guy that I fired actually wound up getting kicked out of the Navy several months later um, for something we can talk about if you like but the the second class that I put in charge uh, I wound up being able to push him he stuck around at least for a shore duty and then he got out but he made first class before he left the boat so I made sure that he qualified all the all the senior watch stations at a rate before he left and he put first class on before he left and he basically was on my path but when he went to right. shore duty, I don't know what happened. He fell off the wagon and he got out. But uh, the guy who did it for me, you know, gave me a gave me a perspective of let me do this for other people that deserve it. I'm not gonna take a blanket approach. I'm not gonna do it for everybody. Right. But the people the people who show promise, the people who have drive, the people who are motivated, the people who are genuinely interested, and who care, I'm gonna try my best to set them up as best I can. And I took the approach of, you will not transfer off of this ship unless you qualify Chief of the Watch and dive. Period. And some of them did, and well, some of them didn't. But I still pushed them to do it. Right. So, so then, in general, do you, you you don't? I'm guessing then that you don't see your short time. I mean, obviously, yours was a unique experience, right? Like, there's not many thirds being made LPO or whatever the case is. So in that your situation aside, uh, do you see that as, do you see that short time? Like if you hear that somebody made chief in seven years or 18 years or whatever the case is, hits it right at 20. Like, does that, does that change your perspective on, on them as a chief or their abilities? Or do you think that one is, generally better or worse than the other or will be more successful in the future based on one or the other so uh i made chief in 2014 um i commissioned in 2019 but based on the timing i would say it was about five years almost to the day 
five years and one month to be exact. So 72, 73 months. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I think I've seen it all. Okay. I've seen people like me that made it early. I've seen people that made it when they probably should have in terms of timing. And I've seen people that have made it at the 18, 19 year point. I had to prove myself from day one. I think we all do, right? As soon as you put anchors on, right. now, you're, now you're the guy or the girl who gets looked up to by the junior sailors. You're supposed to have all the answers already. It doesn't matter if you made it yesterday or six years ago. You're the chief. Ask the chief. That's a thing. Um, however, there is a big difference between somebody who made it at six and a half years and somebody who made it at 18 years. Now, that's not a cookie cutter mold thing where somebody who right. made it at six and a half's got their got their act together and they might not know all the ins and outs of all the Navy programs, but they probably are going to hit the ground running, but they're going to have to prove themselves because there are other people, especially in the Chiefs quarters, that are going to go, well, why'd that person make it at six and a half? Took me 14 or took me 16 or whatever the case might be. And then there's the other side of the coin where you get the people that make it at 17, 18, 19 years and they're like, well... Why did it take them so long? It only took me 10 years. Why did it take them 18? There must be something wrong with them. They must not be, they must be kind of lazy. Right, right. Right. And there's a, there's everything in between. There's, there's, those are the two ends of the spectrum on the extreme ends. And then there's all, everything in between. But I'll tell you, some people write it in your charge book. Some people allude to it verbally. You have to earn it every day. You have to earn it every day. I had to earn it from day one. People looked at me like, why are you a chief already? How many boats did you do? You only did one boat. You only did one boat and one shore duty and you're a chief already. Okay. All right. Let's see what you know. Let's see how you do. There were other people that, that told me, well, we're going to smoke you out within the first year. You're not, you're not, you're not going to make it. There were other people that called me boot every single day, 17, 18 times a day, just to do it, just to see if it would bother me. And I embraced it like it was nobody's business. <laughs> you want to you want to call me boot be my guest i even had a little name tag on my frvs that said the boot i thought it was the greatest <laughs> thing ever right and that was when the frvs were a thing and we we were like one of the first boats at the time to try them out so i had them like before anybody else did so i remember making a name i had the ls uh ls1 make me a name tag that said the boot chief and um i, love it. I actually wore the i i, I tack welded um, prongs and frogs from regular anchors on the one that goes on the hat on the combination cover. <laughs> yeah, and the I big put one. that. Yeah, and I put that right where like your spine is on the back of your coveralls, kind of like where <laughs> like a silk screening company would put a yeah. logo of a shirt of a right. brand on a shirt. Yeah, I put it there. I was the boot chief, and I embraced it, and people appreciated that because. I've actually seen where when you call somebody a boot chief, they get all offended by it. Or you call the bull ensign or the bull nuke or I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever other derogatory. Right. There's this term in the wardroom called the George, J-O-R-G, junior officer requiring guidance. And that's okay. basically like saying nub right. or, or non-qual or boot or whatever, right? It's the wardroom version. And people call me that sometimes now. And I just look at them and I'm like... 
I am too old for this right now. <laughs> I'm just too old for this. You know what I mean? I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to have fun with it. You can call me whatever you want. Just call me at home, okay? <laughs> so right? I think I think some of that uh, might be some of our, our submarining background, right? Because I agree. Uh, the, the standard of, you know, we, we push everybody. You try to test everybody, you know, which it, sometimes it's, I think it's a little unnecessary, but it's a... Uh, uh, it, you're you know you're pushing everybody you're trying to find what their soft spot is and then once you find it you just keep pushing it to see how they handle it which i again I, i'm not saying that that's right i'm just saying that that's you know a very common thing that happens throughout the fleet so with us even if it did bother you that they called you boot like if you let them know that it bothered you then it's just going to get worse but if you kind of do like you did and, and go over over the top or just embrace it and and whether it's a sarcastic embracing of it or if you legitimately look at it as a learning opportunity or whatever the case is, like they realize like, OK, well, this guy doesn't care. So I don't care anymore. I'll find something else to push his buttons about if I can. But which, again, I, I'm not condoning at all. I don't think that that's like it doesn't make sense that when you're stuck on a submarine uh, with limited space and no way to get away from anybody for, you know, however many months at a time like if everybody around you is just trying to make your life harder that's just miserable and you're just asking for trouble like you're all you're all in the suck together right so i don't know that's my my touchy-feely approach on those things like why do we have to make everything harder on somebody for no reason and it's not even like i didn't i had i did not have a hard time when i got to the boat uh i i had you know i got along with everybody really well um it wasn't I never really had those issues so it's not even like I'm trying to you know right a wrong that happened to me um I just I just don't get it I don't see the advantage to doing that um well some but, people do okay some people are and let's let's right, actually yeah. let, let's call a spade a spade for a minute let's pull the the curtain back a little bit and take a look at this so some people are of the mentality of well, it happened to me when I was the new one, when I was the new chief. It happened right. to me. The cob was mean to me. The cob made me clean the chief's quarters head every day, three times a day for the first year. The cob was unfair to me and gave me all the be you know, all the lousy collateral duties. And I <laughs> right. was the DAPA and I was the urinalysis coordinator and I was a GMT coordinator, all this stuff. So because that happened to me, I'm gonna make damn sure that it happens to you. Right. And there are plenty of people like that in the chief's quarters, in the wardroom, in the corporate world. It happened to me. I'm going to do it to you. And let me go on record and say that it's my personal opinion that that is crap. That is not the way that it should be. Just because you were treated unfairly 16 years ago does not mean that you need to stoop low and do that to other people. Right. right. And let's 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 talk about that from from a from a question that I know that we're going to get to eventually. So let's just bring it up now. Personal identity versus what the identity of a naval leader should be. There is a huge difference, or at least people think there's a huge difference. So we have this expectation of when you're a Navy leader, you're going to be X, Y and Z. Well, guess what? As a human being, as a person with your own personality. You might not identify with X, Y, and Z. That might not be who you are. 
Right. So do you conform to X, Y, and Z because that's what's expected of you? Or do you be you? You still be who you are and find a way to somehow, in your own way, accomplish X, Y, and Z. Right, right. And if somebody was to say, well, what do you think? You know, what's your opinion on that? I would say you need to be who you are as a person, be your own thing, and find a way to accomplish X, Y, and Z. Otherwise, we wind up with a bunch of super chiefs who are fake, <laughs> who are fake. And there are plenty of them out there, and you know who you are. Yeah, it, it's it's always hard to be right. Like, it, it's it's a it's a conflicting situation, right? Like the the whole you're the chief all the time, right? You make chief, you're always chief. Like you you take your uniform off, right? But you're still a chief, so you're always doing things as a chief. But then also, there's times where like you're spending time with your family or whatever the case is. You know, you're doing anything else that's not Navy related you're not still standing there like yelling at your kids because they have their hands in their pockets or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's different. You're still a different person. You have your own thoughts on something, but like you said, you still as a chief though, or as a leader uh, in general, you still have a job to do. You still have a mission. You still have to get something done. So within work related stuff, right? So you may disagree with something. You may not, whatever the case is, your, your, your job is still to get those things done. Um, however you do it. And like you said, there's, you know, there's a million ways to skin a cat. So you can do that. However you, you know, what works for you and being true to yourself with getting it done. But your, your job still is to, to do that mission, to execute that task. It's not, uh, to be an obstructionist or whatever, to just stand there and be like, nah, I just disagree with that. Just, we're not going to stick around. We're not going to field day. I think our spaces are clean enough. We're just going to completely ignore the rest of the command field daying. You know, like obviously that's not a thing that, that we can do. Um, so it's just. You absolutely can do that, but you well, are going to get your butt handed to you. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? Like generally speaking, it's one of those like sure. you're, you're, you're going to uh, fight the battles that are worth fighting, obviously, but um, it's more of a you're still going to get the job done and you're still going to try to do it. You're still going to try to keep your, your, your sailors motivated. You're going to keep your division going. Even if you disagree and you can tell them like, Hey, I think this is bogus, but you know, listen, this is what we got to do. We're all here together. You know, there's, you can do it with them, whatever, whatever the case is. There's, there's, again, there's a million different ways to, to skin that cat to, to keep the job going, but still kind of be true to yourself without just saying like, Nah, I just disagree. We're just not going to do it. That doesn't mean just do everything that you're told, right? Because we're, you know, as leaders across the board, you're, if there's something that's wrong, like you should say something is wrong. If you disagree, you have a different way to, to do it. You have a better way to tackle that problem, you know, obviously bring that up. But we've talked before about the, the problems of people bringing problems and not an answer for it or an option, right? Um, me and you have talked about it. Uh, it's been talked about in other interviews on the podcast, but it's, it's very much, it's, it's frustrating because it's one of those, I think that the hard part, the, the biggest problem that I had going up through the ranks was I would see a problem and my first reaction would be to like, just talk bad about it. You know what I mean? Just complain openly. This is terrible. This is stupid. Why are we doing this? Yada, yada, yada. But my, my I didn't have that immediate let me fix it because my mindset for a long time was just like, 
hey, you told me to let you know if there's a problem and I'm letting you know. And then you're now telling me you're, you're not going to do anything about it and I have to do something about it. So then what are you doing then? Like, why are you here if, I, if I'm bringing up the problem and then now I'm also in charge of bringing up the solution? Then what do you want me? Then why? What, what, do you, what is your role in this situation? Right. How are you improving things? And it, and it, it made sense eventually to me. Um, and it wasn't even like a, a, you know, going through the chief season, you know, final night, some magic thing happened and I drank the right Kool-Aid and all of a sudden I get it. It was more of a, when we say to bring uh, solutions with those problems, it's not because I want you to do my job. It's because, you know, we collectively as an organization, as a command, as a chief's quarters, as a whatever, an FCPOA, as a in, insert organization here, a group of people here that's in charge of something, this, this is the best we can come up with for, for better, for worse. Right. Like we thought that this was a good plan because nobody's going to come up with like a completely terrible idea and then go, you know, let's do this terrible idea. And somebody else says, Oh, well I have a better idea. And you go, nah, we're going to stick with the terrible one. <laughs> you know, like that, that doesn't happen. Right. So uh, the, the situation that you're looking at is probably the best situation that those people either the best that they can come up with or the best that it's just not something on their mindset, right? Like it doesn't bother me for one reason or another, or it doesn't affect me the same as it, it does somebody else. So it's just not on my, my list of things to, to stress about. So when we say to bring a solution, it's because like, if you tell them, even if it's a hot garbage solution, right? You come up and say, I just don't think we should ever clean any submarine ever again. It's just a complete waste of time. Right. Like that's a terrible idea, but I can at least work with that and I can go, okay, well, that's terrible. But, you know, if you're trying to drive towards fewer field days, then, you know, we can try to work from there. And how do you suggest we keep things clean without field daying or whatever? Right. But that opens up that dialogue and, and makes that something other than just, oh, you know, Seaman Timmy's complaining again because that's what we all do. And I think that was like a big thing for me is is when somebody complained about somebody brought something up and was basically like why are we doing this and it's kind of like well because that's what you know that's what we're supposed to do or whatever the situation i don't remember you know without going too specific it's like i don't know that's just that's just how it goes and it's like why though like why don't we do this and then you kind of go oh wow you know like never really thought about that at all (laughs) like why didn't you say something sooner like yeah that sounds like a a way better idea let's do that and that's what we're looking for when we say bring a, a, a solution. If you just tell me that something's dumb, I may agree with you, I may not, but that's not going to change it because I'm just going to go, okay, well, this is what we came up with. So I don't know. Does that does that make sense to you? Does that am I way it off? Does. It does. It does. So um, I'm going to add to that though because I think it's worthwhile to, to to at least provide a perspective. Yeah. Here's where I stand. I stand like this today. I'll stand like this till the day I'm in the ground. You have to think about from the CEO perspective. If the chief goes into the captain's stateroom and he goes, sir, I got this problem. And it stops there. Captain is going to say, get out of my stateroom. (laughs) Right. What's the who, what, when, where, why, how? What's the impact? What's a potential solution? 
No leader is going to expect a subordinate to make a report that's going to have every angle covered, every question answered, and provide the best possible solution. What they expect, at least in my professional opinion, is a description of the problem, what happened, how did it happen, what is the operational impact of this problem, and what do you intend to do to fix it. While we were getting ready to do this podcast, as the division officer, I got a phone call from one of my chiefs that literally went something like this. And because what you and I do for a living is classified, I am going to just skim the surface. Right. Sir, it's Chief So-and-so. I'm the watch officer. This just happened. Um, calling to let you know. And then there was a long pause. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a, I am flattered that you're calling to tell me about this. Thank you for keeping me informed. Do you have a pen and paper ready? Because I'm going to ask you a battery of questions that you need to then go dig the answers up for and call me back when you're ready to tell me about them. And my response was, who did it involve? What does it involve? What happened? Who does it affect? What's the operational impact? What's the timeline to restoral? What's the plan to get it restored? Do we need to call anybody in? Do I need to come in? Right. Who else have you told? What's the intended solution? What do you think we need to do to fix it? Right. And this is what this is what was on the other end of the phone. You ready? Here we go. This is what happens as soon as I'm done talking. Um, sir, I'll call you back. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't gotten a phone call back yet. I'm expecting the phone to ring any second, actually. But the entire report or the entire uh, phone call could have and should have sounded like this. Sir, we got the following problem with blah, blah, blah. It involves the blah, blah, blah. This is what I intend to do to fix it. There is no operational impact. And I would have said, very well. Let me know when it's fixed. I concur with your plan. Sounds like a good, solid plan. Thank you for letting me know. I'll be available if you need anything. I live five minutes away. If you need some assistance, give me a call. I'll put some clothes on. I'll come in. Right. right. It would be a completely different conversation. Instead, my ears were red from a chief petty officer calling me to just tell me that he has a problem. So if you could envision what I'm doing right now, I'm holding on to my phone. The phone is the problem. And what I'm doing is I'm talking to you and I'm saying, hey, I got this problem. And as I'm saying that, I'm extending the phone towards you. And I'm dropping this problem off in your lap right. for you for you to handle it. Now, let me tell you, there's a very specific reason why I say that there should be more to this and more thought to it than, than most people do. I believe in training your relief. Now, while this person may or may not ever decide to go into the path that I chose, I would expect the same from a second class. I would expect the same from a first class. And here's why. He needs to be or she needs to be in a position someday to either one, brief the captain about something or receive a report from a subordinate and they need to know 
all of those details when they either give that report or receive something like that. Right. And if the status quo is people are just going to call me or wake me up or have me come up to my divisional spaces to receive the report of a problem without all of the details, it's unacceptable to me. It's unacceptable to me. It will always be unacceptable to me. And I don't care if anybody disagrees with me. There needs to be more thought, more effort into making status reports. Right. That's that's a, a hard one that I've had. And, and it depends on on uh, it depends on the, the, the leadership that you're working with. Right. So uh, with being with, with standing duty where I do, um, you know, if something comes up, you have to inform people. Right. So the problem is, depending on the severity, sometimes like, is it worth calling somebody's chief at three in the morning to let them know about this thing? You know, are they going to do something about it? No, I'll wait and I'll call them in the morning. I'll let the guy sleep. Um, but then there's other times where like you have to call people. There's this ongoing situation, whatever the case is. I'm on that same side where I will tend to wait on that phone call. Um, sometimes to a detriment to me, I'm, I'm still working on finding that fine line, uh, cause it's just a different command. I don't know people above me, you know, the people I'm reporting to, I don't really know all of them and their idiosyncrasies as well. But, um, I, I'm the one who would wait longer to report something, not, not report it, but I would be the one to call and to say, Hey, we had this problem, but I fixed it. Sometimes they like that. Sometimes they they wanted, they wish you would have called when you had the problem and let them know that you were doing something about it. But, um, to me, a lot of those things are more organic. Like I, I don't need to call somebody the second it happens and let them know that it happened and then call you know, and say, this is what we're going to, we're going to do about it. And then you call them back each step of the way and keep letting it like, it just seems excessive to me. Right. I don't, if I'm going to bring them that far into the situation with phone calls all the time or let, you know, going to rack somebody out, whatever the case is, if I'm going to do it to that point, then like I should just call them up right off the bat and just tell them to come handle it themselves. Right. right? They don't need no, to be, I agree. I they agree. don't need to be in on it, but, they need to know about it. And, and so that's a, that's definitely a hard thing that I feel like a lot of junior people have issues with. I know I had problems with it when something would come up. Um, if I had a problem with something, somebody, I, the common thing that I would get yelled at was, why didn't you tell me about this? And it was like, well, I thought I had it handled. I didn't think I needed to tell you about it. Right. I took care of the problem, but and I didn't want to wake you up just to tell you that we had an issue and that we fixed it. Right. Like that seemed dumb. And I've had chiefs in the past who were like, no, you should have woke it, you know, at a minimum, at least woke me up to tell me that. And, and we had uh, early on, I had a CEO who made a point of saying that, um, anytime there's any sort of issue, you should be like his, basically his order was you will call your chiefs and, and keep them informed throughout the process. Um, but his argument was, you know, E7 and above gets paid to be inconvenienced. You know, we make more money because we need to answer those phone calls when you call to tell us something. Um, obviously, the expectation of there being, you know, more information beyond it, like you said, uh, is one thing. But um, just the general mindset of like, oh, I don't want to call this guy at, you know, one in the morning on a Saturday because just to let him know that this happened. I can just tell him in the morning, but it's like, no, he makes considerably more than me. And 
he's the one that came up with the rule to call him, not me. So I'm literally doing what they want. And if they don't want me to call him at one in the morning, then they'll tell me that or they'll change the rule or whatever. And so that's where I have a hard time, uh, historically at least, you know, keeping people up to date on those things. And I tend to wait until I have a resolution or I have, you know, the problem is no longer there. And I, so I have all of those answers. Um, but it's, that's not always the right answer. That's just, that tends to be my default mode. And that I, I consciously think about it when something comes up, uh, a common thing that I get not yelled at for, you know, but a common thing that comes up is like, why didn't you tell me about this? It's like, well, I didn't think I needed to tell you about it. I had it under control. Some people that's a good enough answer and some people that's not. And, you know, that's a, a balance of who you're working with and what the problem is and learning that over and over and over again, every time some leader changes out or you change commands. Um, so, so moving on a, a little bit, sh- shifting gears a little bit on this then, uh, we'd kind of mentioned it earlier. It was, uh, this is the very separated second question I had to one of the, to your background was, um, it goes along with the, you know, the six year chief versus the 19 year chief, um, with being an officer now, how, uh, I know you'd mentioned like, you don't think that it, that it makes much of a difference. Right. And I've worked with a lot of LDOs before, um, a majority of them were prior chiefs, but not all of them. Um, and I was actually somewhat surprised at the ones that were, I would have thought was a chief the way they, for whatever reason in my head, I would have thought that they were a prior chief. Um, and they were not and whatever the case is. Right. But how do you, uh, do you think that having that chief experience is a good thing? Do you think it taints your your outlook as an officer? Do you think, I mean, obviously more experience is probably better, generally speaking, right? But um, do you think that, that if that experience was as a chief compared to a first class, that it would make you a better officer? Or do you, I do think you... that the I think that the division officer, chief petty officer relationship is extremely important. Um, yes, I think that it's the difference between a high functioning team and a poor functioning team. If the Devo and the LCPO are not aligned, if they're not on the same page, if they don't um, communicate effectively, if they don't plan properly, I think that they're, you can't have one without the other. So having been a chief with both low and high functioning divos in the past, I know what a good one should be doing and what a bad one looks like. So I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody going from E6 to O1. And you know what? The people that happen to do that, uh, more power to them because I spent a long time as a chief, at least in my opinion, and it was a lot of aggravation. All right. Just call it what it is. It aggravated me almost daily. There were a lot of things that aggravated me about it. Um, I'm not going to get negative on this about it, but I had a pretty unique experience and I'm glad that I had that experience because now I have got some bullets in the gun. I've got some ammunition to fire those off if I need to, if and when there's a situation where I'm like, nope, that's wrong. That should not be happening. That is not the way that we should do business. Oh, and by the way, let me explain to you that's why that's wrong or we shouldn't be doing that or we shouldn't be doing business that way. 
here's some real here's some real life story here's a here's some experience as to why this is a bad thing and that's already happened several times so so with that though i've had uh i've seen it happen a few times right where uh usually it's a newer ldo um right because a, a general ensign devo right like a, a standard line officer you're not going to have these issues right they're uh, at this point in our life they're going to be 10 years younger than us and they are fresh out of whatever school pro- program got them into the navy and and they don't have any of that experience but they're just immediately dumped in as hey you are a leader of this entire division now um which is a rough position don't get me wrong but um I feel like most of the issues that I have seen or or dealt with myself have been with uh, LDOs who were fresh LDOs, you know, within a year or two max. You know, after that, I think they kind of settle in a little bit more. But within that first year or two years where they have a hard time letting go of they are not the chief anymore and their job is different, their role is different, and it's very much like, well, when I was a chief, this is what I would have done and this is how I would have done it. And it's like, yeah, that's fine, but you're not anymore. Like your job is different. This is what you do now, you know? And it's good that you have that experience. So theoretically, you should be more understanding of where I'm coming from and what I'm having to deal with. But instead, it turns into one of those like, uh, I don't know. It's 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 Sometimes it's hard for, I think, for people to and that goes from just making you know going from a first class to a chief to anything like harder for people to take their hands out of the cookie jar right when you spend your career dealing with the details and the the day-to-day this and how to do the maintenance and whatever the case is right this is you're going to do this mrc you know daily weekly whatever and then eventually you're senior enough to where you're not doing it but you're immediately going to tell somebody if they're doing it wrong or this is how you would have done it or whatever, you know, maybe not an MRC because there's really literally only one way to do those shy of weird exceptions. Right. I mean, it tells you exactly what to do, but, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, a, uh, you, you tend to, you slowly just remove yourself from that day to day, uh, uh, those details and you slowly take your hands out of the cookie jar and you just kind of observe the cookie jar. Um, and it's, it's harder. I feel like a lot of people have a hard time taking that step out. Um, the most that I've dealt with recently, you know, just from the position that I'm in is that it's, it's, it's LDOs who were prior chiefs who tend to be that have that mindset of like, listen, I did this. You're wrong this is why or whatever. And sometimes it's good. I, I, I'm pretty open. Um, I will at least like hear everybody out on their opinion. I may, you know, I may say not to their face, but I may think that it's garbage, but you know, if you outrank me to some extent, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll do my proper pushback, but at some point, you know, it's, is that the, the hill that I want to die on that day? Or am I just going to do this thing because this is how they want it done that's fine we get it done but i've seen a lot of times where there's people who have a hard time taking that step back right taking their hands out and not doing and just leading instead 
And I would imagine that that would probably be in my head at least, right? Because I'm not an officer, so I don't know. But in my head, I feel like it would be that would be a harder transition for somebody who was a chief, at least for an appreciable amount of time prior to putting on uh, bars, as opposed to a first class who doesn't have it's not as ingrained. Does that make sense? Sure it does. And it happens to me all the time. <laughs> so uh, I catch myself all the time from diving too far into the weeds on chief leadership. And I am happy to say today, and I'll be happy to say in 10 years, that um, I willingly gave up the opportunity to be a chief. I put in package to go officer because I wanted to do something different. I wanted a different set of challenges. I wanted to be in a different position. I wanted to have a, a, a different opportunities to go and do different jobs. I didn't want to go submarine shorterty, submarine shorterty, submarine shorterty, retire. I just wanted to do different things. Um, so I willingly walked away from the opportunity to be a chief. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, who am I to sit in somebody's office now and go, hey, chief, I don't think you're doing this right. Because you know what? Six months ago, I was a senior chief and I would never do it like that. However, I'll tell you right now, that thought has crossed my mind more than I ever would have thought that it would have. <laughs> and what I do is I close my mouth and I will leave. Maybe, maybe I'll bring it up at a later point in time and be like, you know what? I'm not telling you. You should have did this differently. But next time, just consider this. Consider doing it this way. Consider saying it this way. Consider approaching it from a different perspective. And that's just the difference between looking at it through one lens or another lens. Neither one of them is wrong. Neither one of them is right. It's just two two different directions you could go with it, both of which will lead you to the same outcome. So it's personal preference. And that's how I approach those situations. Now, for real though, in my head, what I'm saying is, I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) I can't believe you're okay with this. I can't believe you're okay with this person sleeping on watch and not taking care of it. I can't believe you're okay with somebody looking at you like that or talking back to you. But you know what? If that's how they want to be, be my guest, right? Because I'm not the chief anymore, but I, I'm certainly not ever going to forget the things that I did that made me what I would like to believe is successful. So, um, I mean, it happens to me all the time. I think pretty objectively it's, it's successful, right? Like, uh, whether or not you are good at what you do could be debated. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that, but uh... <laughs> no, but, but I mean, uh, you know, obviously you've you got to where you are uh, on the timeline that, that, that you did uh, for a reason, right? You probably not completely terrible at what you do. So um, that again, like you said, doesn't mean that your outlook is better or right or whatever. Right. But the, it's but all perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so then revolving around uh, the mess, uh, the chief's mess as a whole, 
um, since you obviously were junior to it, you spent, you know, like you said, more than half of your time as a part of it. And then uh, obviously not as much time after it, right. Since, since you have technically left the mess. Um, what, how, how have your thoughts on, on the mess or the relationships between the mess um, uh, like a, a small example, right. That we, uh, because you'll, you'll be able to relate to this. Um, and, and I think most people would, and I know it's come up before is so on the, the chief's quarters door, right. So our office where we're at, there's the four of us that are in there. Um, and there's, you know, the knock three times, enter state the reason request permission enter whatever all the, the the phrasing that's on there um and it makes it very i feel like it makes you very unapproachable right so there's a lot of uh small things that somebody might want to pop their head in and tell you about or not or whatever the case is but there it's it's an intimidating process um and it was the same thing for me when you know we we're growing up uh routing routing a message right your chief's in the rack or your chief's just hanging out in the chief's quarters and i've got to go in there because i have to give him this message but i'm some you know e-nobody walking through and i'm just it's just like you're dreading it and i would always find her i'd just open it up and kind of go in there and then you know if somebody yelled at me i'd try to just stop them immediately and be like oh we got this emergency message or something crazy right just so that they would stop yelling at me about the formalities of it but it did, you know that that didn't make me want to go down there and hang out like if somebody was in there i it didn't make me want to go talk to my chief um having that barrier in place um and then there was times that that it does make sense right because you're in there and you're discussing things that they shouldn't know about right like uh you know if we're discussing sailor of the quarter boards or something to that effect and and how that should go i don't need one of the people we're talking about to just walk in unannounced or something so i need to at least know to stop my conversation before they come in not because i'm saying anything bad but you know that's that kind of def- defeats the purpose of of talking about it but um you know and then once you're in there obviously that changes your opinion on on once you're a part of the mess, you see things a little bit differently for better, for worse. Um, and, and your opinions are naturally going to change because now, you know, things that not like there's some secret handshake, but I mean, you, you, you've been trained to look at things a certain way compared to before. Um, but then now that since you're in the wardroom, that's a totally separate, uh, perspective on things. Um, at least in that relationship with the mess and how you deal with it and how, how is your thoughts or opinions, uh, about the mess in general, you know, what was the, how have those changed throughout your career at least and, and your general thoughts on it now? Well, I think that by asking somebody to knock, wait to be told to come in state your business or your name or your business or you know whatever the procedure is yeah, for yeah. going in there i think there is a a long standing naval tradition that that's where that's based from that's what that comes from that comes from before we were even alive right. that's what was that's that's what was done and part of the reason is um 
you earned the right to become a chief. You were initiated, you were tested, you were tried, you were, all those buzzwords, right? You, you, you went through the process. <laughs> You're now on the other side of the line. And anybody who wants to enter that sacred space, if you will, um, needs to ask to come in there. Right now, you, you got the T-shirt with all the cool guy slogans on it. Yeah. Now, if you're in there doing um, a DRB, or you're in there doing a counseling session, or you're in there having a meeting about you know how we attack this problem as a group of chiefs, or you're in there doing a ranking board, or you're in there, whatever. Something that's private that shouldn't be open to the rest of the, right. the world, if you will, then there ought to be a sign that goes up on the door that says "Chiefs meeting in progress. Do not disturb." And I know that I th- I don't think there's a single Chiefs quarters out there, both afloat or ashore, that doesn't have one of those signs. Yeah, usually what what usually what I've seen uh, is the the problem of. Uh... So there's a conference room um, at a previous command I was at where that was uh, it was a general purpose space. We didn't we just didn't have the room for everybody to have their own, you know, like a chief mess and and a meeting room or conference room, all that. Right. So it was this one room everybody used. And when there's a meeting in progress, the problem is there's three doors to get into this room. Um, And so when you would have a meeting inevitably you would sit down you'd start talking and then somebody would kind of walk in and cut you off and then you go oh and they'd have that awkward look and then you'd realize oh that was my fault forgot to put the sign up so then you'd go to that door and put the signs up or you'd miss a door you put signs on two of the three and then you'd have the the problem of as soon as it's over somebody would forget to take them down and then there would be people standing outside of an empty room for an hour not going in because they don't they right. just assume that people are in there because that's what the sign says. Um, so I think just on like a, it, it sounds like a really bad excuse, but on a dumb level, I think that's why people probably don't do that because people tend to be lazy, right? Like if I'm sitting down and I'm talking about something, I, it's easy for me to say, hey, shut the door. And as opposed to me going over and putting up a sign and then remembering to take off the sign when we're done talking about that thing. Well, maybe you just have a problem remembering to do very simple things, Chief. <laughs> well, so so uh obviously things come up it's different if it's a uh you know you're doing a, a like you said a sailor recorder board or something official, right? Sometimes you're just discussing a problem and then you realize like, "Hey, this probably shouldn't be open to everybody." So you just close the door real quick. But naturally, the conversation is going to evolve and at some point it turns into you know, okay for public consumption again, but it's not like there's a trigger that goes off in your head, like the end of a meeting to go f- take the sign. It's like, you just realize that eventually you're somehow, you're talking about baseball getting canceled because of coronavirus. And then you realize that that doesn't need a sign hung on the door anymore. And, you know, it's just not like a, something that comes up. So, so I right. get the I get why people don't are bad with a sign, but just remember to hang the sign and take it down when you're done. Easy peasy. <laughs> you're not wrong. Or yell or yell at the top of your lungs every time somebody knocks, right? So this, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Enter! Who am I? Who yeah. am I? I know, 
Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Every, just everybody yell, just yell listen, at them. Everybody listening to this knows there, there's always one chief that does that at every command. And it's, it is what it is. It's, I, I don't know. There's no ambiguity. Super chief. You know when you're allowed Super in chief. and when you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Can't argue about that. Super chief. But, but generally speaking, though, is that how, how is your, you know, that was kind of like a, a very specific tangent, but how have your thoughts kind of changed your opinions on the mess as a whole changed over time? Or have they stayed exactly the same? Yeah, the short answer is they haven't changed. Um, I have been around great chiefs and I have been around chiefs that I think leave a lot to be desired. And that is true before I was a chief, while I was a chief, and now that I've given up chiefing for the rest of my life. Um, some of them have it down pat, and some of them need need a lot of work. You know, and I think that that's fair to say. I don't think that's that's a negative thing to say. I don't think that you know anybody would go, "Oh my God, I can't believe he's saying that." I think that's true across the board. Just like uh, you know, in, in corporate in corporate America, you know, there's 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 leadership and management that is on the ball and on the spot. And there's leaders that, uh, and managers that, that aren't, you know, there's, there's good weather casters and there's bad ones. There's, there's good people that do roofing jobs and there's bad ones. You know, I mean, that's just the world we live in. That, that's, that's culture. That's society. I, my opinion hasn't changed one bit. So you, you have a, a very individualistic approach then to, to the person, not like the rank as a whole. Correct. The rank is a rank. The person that you put in the rank determines how that person operates within that rank. There are people that get promoted to chief petty officer and they let it go to their head. There are people that get promoted to chief petty officer and they do what we tell them to do, which is don't forget where you came from. Treat people fairly. Hold the standard. Hold people accountable. Be approachable. All that stuff. And then there's people that get promoted to chief and they don't do anything anymore. I have reached the pinnacle of my naval career. I no longer need to lift a finger to do anything. I have people for that. Right. So there's three different approaches, at least in my opinion. I've seen them all. I've worked with them all. And I don't harbor any ill will, no matter what, you know, no matter what style they chose once they got promoted to chief. Right. So it's it's interesting because you have a very individualistic approach to it, and I feel like I generally do as well. Um, but I can't say that I always did, right? When you were junior, you looked at it it's like the Chiefs mess does whatever. They do magic. They go in there, and they. I used to always give my chief a hard time after Chiefs meetings and ask him if he had fun clicking hooves and rubbing their horns together and and eating oats right because it's a goat <laughs> locker and yeah and he would just he would just kind of laugh and shake his head and just say like man i wish i could be there the day that you make chief um and and i i get that right um and it was <laughs> i still have uh, i still joke about that same way right obviously i still have that, that same uh mindset you know it's still my sense of humor about things right i still joke about that when whenever somebody asks us what came out of some meeting i just tell them that you know there's a good bucket of oats that time or it was a bad bucket of oats or whatever right um but but i i, I know that my opinion has definitely 
changed. And I think if anything, it's changed to more of, I do look at things more as individuals now, but I still look at it as I, contrary to popular belief, I still have enough like faith in humanity type deal where I go from this was a, it, it, in your head, if you saw something bad come down, right? It was like, wow, the chief's quarters, they all hate everybody. And they're just going to sit in there and play video games during field day instead of whatever, right? I'm down here scrubbing a bilge and he's walking around with a flashlight and a coffee cup. And, and at the time you don't quite get it. And then it's not that, you know, yeah, nobody wants to go do that. And sometimes with rank comes privilege, whether or not I think it should. Um, but it, it's like, yeah, they're not, they're not just in there playing PlayStation while you're cleaning. You know, there's other administrative things that are getting handled or that's a good time for them to get together and have a discussion about X, Y, and Z about some program about training about, you know, insert reason here. Um, and it's the same thing. We used to always make fun of the officers on the boat on our boat, at least because none of them ever cleaned because officer training was always conveniently scheduled in the middle of field day. Um, but, and at the time it was, you know, when you're, you know, a third or a second or whatever, it's like, you know, it must be nice to get out of all of these things. But then eventually it kind of, it, it makes sense and you get why there's like a practical reason these things are happening because you're also trying to make sure that people have time to sleep. And, and then as you go through those ranks, you realize that, you know, it, I may be getting out of a field day, but I guarantee that I'm probably getting less sleep or less free time compared to other people because I'm not just worried about my six or eight hours or whatever of watch um, or 12. If you know, surface ship and or whatever your work day is, you know, it's, they're all different, but I'm not just worried about that time. And then when I'm off watch, I'm off watch. Like you're, you know, like we said earlier, you're always there. It's, you're always the chief. You're always dealing with something. You're always on call. You're always going to get a phone call on a Sunday at whatever time of the day it is. You're going to get phone calls about something. And you kind of just, because of that, you squeeze in things where you can. And, you know, sometimes that's, you, you're getting out of something, but I, it, it's always, it's, I, I only hesitate about saying getting out of something because I'm, I'm not a big fan of the idea that just because you made rank, like all of a sudden we, you know, the Navy drew this magic line and you just, you get to get away with more, right? There's a, d- a double standard there. Um, the common thing that comes up f- for where I'm at specifically, which you'll understand, right? So when we have, you know, 1500 students or whatever the case is at lunchtime, if I want to go eat at the galley, there's a massive line. And when I go down there, they immediately are just kind of like, no, 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 you go ahead, you go ahead. And it's, you know, and I'm, there's plenty of people to do, and I'm not saying that they're wrong um, and that they shouldn't, but Oh, I used to jump the, I used to jump the line all the time when they told me that. Right. And, and Absolutely. I know plenty of people Thank to you, do. Shipmate. Yeah. But, but, and it's, and it's partially a respect thing and, and, and it is what it is. Um, also, I'm not competing for the same tables that they are to go eat, right? I'm going to go in, I'm going to get my food and I'm going to his different room to eat in, um, which good, bad, otherwise. Um, but I look at it, I'm standing at the back and I had, I had people all the time that are like, no, 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 you go, you can go to the front. And it's like, no, I can stand at the back. I'm fine. I'll wait in line. 
And they're like, no, no, no. Most people just cut ahead. And I'm like, and one of the times uh, fairly recently, I was talking to one of the students who was saying that. And I was like, listen, man, I am not going to get yelled at if I come back from lunch 10 minutes later. But you very much have to be back at class at this time, right? You are going to be yelled at if you do not show up to class by 12 o'clock or whatever the case is, 1230. If you're not there sitting in class, you're going to get yelled at. And the the answer, I don't want to be the reason where you're like, well, I was going to, but 12 chiefs showed up and it pushed me back and delayed everything, right? And and like I said, sure. I'm not going to get yelled at. I'm just going to show up at 1235 instead or 1245. And they're going to say, where were you? And it's like, well, I was making sure these other guys had a chance to eat and did what they had to do first. Um, and that's, uh, you know, just obviously, just like you said, that's not like a universal mindset. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but that's my outlook on it. But I don't think that I had, uh, at least before making chief, I looked at it as like, well, they're just... You know, the standard like with rank comes privilege, right? You make chief, you get to eat early. You get to eat before the meal hour. You get to eat, you get to cut to the front of the line or you get better parking or whatever, right? You just, that's some advantage that you have now. But it, do you need that advantage? Does it do anything? Is, does it serve a purpose? Is it helping anybody? Is it, I would argue that a, a lot of those probably hurt at least mentalities and they cause more discourse than they do. You know, I don't know any third class. It's like, oh, I'm glad Chief gets to go in there and get the good steaks first. You know, <laughs> he deserves this this better steak than me. You know, like that was never a mindset that anybody had. You looked at it as like, I'm the one doing all this work and he's just sitting around showing up, getting fresh cups of coffee. And why does he need to eat before me? It's stupid. He should get the scraps. He's doing the least amount of work, right? Like that's my mindset or was my mindset. Sure. So I try to keep that in mind as I do what I do now that like that mindset of how would this be looked at from, you know, angry, disgruntled third class me. Yeah, I never really gave that much thought. Um, I used to think about it in when underway um, riders versus ships company and the riders, uh, you know, didn't really have a job to do. So they were always at the front of the line that used to piss me off because. They, they should they should have more courtesy <laughs> than that but uh no i i never really read into what you're saying about chiefs versus junior enlisted eating or letting them letting them go ahead of me or letting them go behind me or what i just never really paid it much mind um i think that it's an individual an individual perspective and i don't think there's a right or a wrong answer it, it's funny that's it's funny that you say that because i think generally speaking I mean, that's a small specific example, but I feel like those privileges are a lot of points of contention for a lot of people that I get that it didn't bother you, right? Because there's, which is funny to hear only from knowing you as well as I do, that there's there's a lot of things that will get you, you know, spun up. There's a lot of things that'll take you to an 11 real quick and easy that you would think most people probably wouldn't be bothered by. But then the things that are common that bother people, you're just kind of like, Eh, whatever. I just never really cared. Well, in this particular instance or this particular question, you know, um, again, if you think about it from another perspective, from a different profession or a different industry, you know, the the manager of the the, the car dealer has his own office. 
but the salesmen are at desks on the sales floor four and a half feet away from each other. You know, and they they take their breaks and they take their lunches and whatnot when they can because there's people in there that they're trying to sell to. And the manager, the general manager, or the finance manager can basically do whatever they want until it comes time for them to interject in a potential sale. So it's the same thing with a junior enlisted and a chief petty officer. You know, the, the junior enlisted uh, all have to share the common space and the chiefs get the chief's quarters. I don't think there's a submarine out there, though, that the chiefs eat three meals a day in the chief's quarters. I've never, I, I know. Yeah, I've I, heard about it. I've never seen it. I've only ever, but, the only time I've ever seen people eat in the chief's quarters was on like pizza night. Yep. And they would get like a pizza or, you know, like maybe two brought in For themselves because yeah. they're watching a movie. But outside of that, and, and, and then it's the same situation though on cruise mess, everybody's watching a movie out there. Right. And so more than anything, it was looked at as at the time I would have been like, well, it must be nice to get my own pizza delivered to my table in my space. But right. looking at it from the other side now, it's, I would like to think at least that um more often than not it was probably people saying like hey i want to make sure there's extra room for more that's another table that you freed up for people to hang out and watch the movie on cruise mess i'm just staying so, out of your way <laughs> that's exactly why chief's call quote unquote exists let's get them in and out a couple of minutes prior to the start of it because well there's a couple of reasons too um the, and this is going to sound really pompous, but I, I don't mean it to sound pompous. Some of the most important watches on a submarine are stood by E7 and above personnel. Okay, There is occasionally the hot-running E5, E6 that wants to stand dive. There's occasionally the hot-running E5, E6, a qualified engineer and watch supervisor. But most of the time, they're E7 or above. So those people have tours that they have to take. They have to get very detailed turnovers. They can't just go, I had it, you got it. They got to know where the water is distributed throughout the ship. They have a pre-watch brief that they have to go to and talk about the upcoming events, whereas sonar techs that are not the sonar supervisor or the fire control technician of the watch assistant or the CEP operator or the helmsman planesman can basically eat, go up there, get a quick turnover and sit in the chair and pick up where the last person left off. But they need a couple more minutes to do that. So there's that. And then there's also, let's get them fed and out of here so we can utilize this table for the masses. So, yeah, some people are going to look at it as a negative thing, but I think it's just you. <laughs> I, I would I would uh, bet probably a paycheck that I'm not the only one that is I the wrong way by that. I, I know you're know. just giving me a hard time, but I, I just mean in general, you know, that's it. Again, that's a very small, weird, specific example, but um, and and obviously when you dig into it, it's a different perspective. But that's why I was kind of curious about your your take on it, uh, only because you now have right. Like at this point, I can't have an outside the chief's quarters perspective on that because I'm in it. So even if I wasn't right, even if whatever, somehow something crazy happens and I'm no longer a chief for or I don't whatever better or worse I still have that experience of I've seen it through that lens so yeah. it's forever going to be there I can't forget that I can't just take a ball peen hammer to the temples and forget that this ever happened and lose that experience because that's always going to shape my 
decision making or my knowledge or my opinions. Um, I would pay good money to hit you in the temple with a ball peen hammer. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you would. Uh, I bet you would. Um, But no, but that's, you know, that's, that's one of those, I, I tend to have, I, I feel like I'm always, I, I'm the kind of person that's more worried about how things are going to be perceived, even if it's not something that I have control over. Right. So when I, again, like when I walk up and go stand in line to go eat lunch, somebody says, Hey, you can go ahead. And I, I don't know, that could be written down that I'm allowed to cut the line or it's not written down. And it's just a thing that people do and that's fine. But I look at it as like, how is this? My immediate thought is how are they going to take this? Am I going to look like a, a, like that pompous, you know, super chief that's like, get out of my way, peck. I'm on my way in to go eat. Like that's, I, I don't want that. That's not me. That's not how, that's not what I would want to represent. And that's not how I want them to look at other chiefs, right? Because everything you do, you're look. Uh, I, I mean, apparently you're kind of a fluke, but you know what I mean? Generally speaking, you're going to categorize a group based off of your interaction with somebody. Um, so if you've only had a couple of chiefs and they've all been just tyrants or whatever the case is, right? Your mindset is the chief's quarters are tyrants. And obviously that's uh, uh, logically, I think if anybody was able to take a step back, that's not a reasonable thought process. That's not a reasonable position to have because not every single person is going to be the same. But, um, but it's not a, a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm more concerned with the out, the optics of what I do, I think more than I probably should be sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, all right. So, so then how, how was you as, as a leader, right? Like you, you developed as as you were a chief senior chief you did your this is how you lead your people right as a chief as a senior chief as a whatever as a as that leader how now as a as a jo as a junior officer how has that changed how how do you do things now all right let's be clear i am not a jo <laughs> okay uh, i am i am an o1 with a lot of clout, okay? Uh, I make sure to tell every single person that I meet for the first time that I might look like, and, and I don't, I look like an old fart, but I might look like an ensign, but I've got, I've got some stories. I've seen a thing or two. I've chewed on some water with some people about some, some controversial and, and challenging things, Right. So mm-hmm. don't call don't call me a jail requiring guidance that that makes me angry. Hey, I mean, I'm just kidding. I embrace it. Remember. <laughs> All right. I'm. I have five things I'm going to say, and then uh, I'm I'm going to open it back up to you for whatever questions you might have. But leadership philosophy. Um, I'm. L- let me get through all five of these before we break them down. But but there's five right. tenets of my leadership philosophy, and. I think most people would agree. So whether or not they apply these or not is another story, but treat, this is number one, treat honest mistakes honestly. Somebody makes a mistake and they didn't do it on purpose. There's no malicious intent behind it. They were forthcoming and they told you about it. They didn't hide anything or lie to you about it. 
then don't crucify them. Do not allow the Cobb, the CMC, the XO, the CO to immediately divert this to Captain's Mast and say, this person made a big mistake and we got we to gotta hang them for it. Because that's, that's not reasonable. Okay? So a sidebar to number one is be reasonable. Don't just do something because that's the way it's always been done. Don't just do something because that's what the book says. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Be reasonable. So treat an honest mistake honestly and be reasonable. Somebody was supposed to do something every hour and it took them 64 minutes to do it to, you know, instead of 60. Big deal. Did it still get done? Yeah, it still got done. Big deal. Make a note. Round completed four minutes late. Who cares? It's four minutes. <laughs> Just because the book says 60, it doesn't matter. Be reasonable. I see that more and more and more and more and more. It's crazy. All right, I'm done with that. Number two, as a chief petty officer, you are not judged any longer on you. Right? Open your charge book. Take a look at number one on your charge book on every page. It's not about you anymore. It's because it's not about you anymore. You are not judged on your successes or your failures as it applies to you. You are judged on the successes and the failures of your people. When your division succeeds, sure, you look good. But it's because of them. They did it. They came up with the idea. They put in the hours. They did the work. Even if you did 95% of it yourself, let them get the credit for it. They did it. However, when they fail, it's your fault. Even if it's not. Even if you were 45 miles away and it happened, guess what? It's your fault. That's a hard pill for some people to swallow. That's hard to come to terms with. I had a guy get a DUI one time. I was on leave in another state. Chief, your guy got a DUI. Why'd your guy get a DUI? Well, I don't know, XO. I didn't go there with him. I didn't pay for his drinks. I didn't put the keys in his car. I didn't tell him to press the accelerator (laughs) and drive the wrong way down the highway for a couple of miles. I didn't do that. He did it himself. Well, did you train him effectively? Did you remind him before he took off for the weekend to have a plan? All this stuff. Just remember, when your guys or your girls in your division uh, succeed, it's because of them. When they fail, and they will fail at something, big or small, it's your fault. You didn't do enough. You weren't engaged enough. You didn't train them enough. You didn't supervise them well enough. You didn't monitor their maintenance enough. Pick a thing, right? Right. It happens. You gotta, you gotta just have to come to terms with that, and you, you gotta be the bigger person. You gotta say, okay, you're right. It's my fault. The worst people are the people, or the worst chiefs, in my opinion, are the people that cannot come to terms with that. They can't. They just, they don't. Oh, it's not my fault. It's my guy's fault. Here I am, years later. I know damn well it's not my fault that that dude got a DUI, but I didn't <laughs> tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody who cared that it wasn't my fault. I just embraced it and said, you're right. I could have did more. I could have got on a plane 
and flew back to the state that he was in and offered him a ride home. You're right. I didn't do everything that I could have did. All right, number three. This is literally five words. I'm not going to expound on it because it involves a lot of things. Take care of your people. All right, I lied. I'm going to expound a little bit. (laughs) Write them awards when they deserve them. Fight for them during eval season if they're overachieving and outperforming their peers. Just because you might not be the biggest voice in the room does not mean that you should not be fighting for your people. Everybody's going to walk in there thinking that their people are the best. It's your job to set your people apart from the people that they're standing up for. Give them time off. Who cares what the leave and liberty policy says? If they are doing a good job, tell them to come in late the next day. Tell them to take the day off. Who cares about a special liberty shit? Just tell them to take the day off. Tell them to call you in the morning. Hey, let me know you're alive. Don't do anything stupid. You did a good job. I'm going to give you tomorrow off. And then just go say, hey, Cobb, so-and-so did a great job. I'm going to give him tomorrow off. And if he goes, well, make him write a special liberty shit, say, no. I got this. (laughs) I'm going to control this from my level. I'm going to give him the day off. He's going to call me in the morning. He's going to let me know he's alive. If I need him, I'll call him, and he knows that, so he's not going to drink. Or, you know, whatever, okay? If he needs to write a special request shit, have him write a special request shit for, like, something he needs to do, like go to the DMV or change his oil or take his wife to a doctor's appointment six weeks from now. Yeah, sure, have him write a special liberty shit. But if it's you offering him time off because he did a good job, give him the day off. Stop being ridiculous about it. It goes back to number one. Be reasonable. Okay, number four. What's popular is not always right. What's right is not always popular. But always do what's right. Right. People are not going to like everything that they should be doing or they should be involved in Because it's unpopular to them. It's unpopular for me to come in on a Saturday and supervise an evolution. But that's the right answer. The right answer is, it's unlikely that something is going to go wrong if I insert myself into this problem or this situation and control it. But guess what? You getting up on a Saturday when you thought it was your day off, it's not going to be the most popular thing for you. It's not going to be the most popular thing for you to um, tell your tell your division that that you know we have to work late tonight because we're getting ready to go on a deployment. And unless you want to be here every night until ten o'clock at night, the week before we deploy and leave your families for six months, let's stay until ten o'clock tonight tonight and get it done. So that way we don't have to do this next week right before we deploy. Let's get out of the way now. Guess what? That's still not going to be a popular thing to say to people because people are not going to like that. But that's being reasonable. That's having everybody's best interest in mind. So always do what's right, regardless of whether or not it's popular or not. Some people think that, well, I'm going to do what is best for my people because you literally just said to take care of my people. So taking care of my people is giving them what they need. That's what give, taking care of them is. You only give them what they need. You do not have to cater to their every beck and call and give them what they want. There's a difference between want 
and need. Listen, we're in the coronavirus pandemic of the of the of the of all time right now, and there is no toilet paper. <laughs> Guys, you don't need toilet paper right now. Toilet paper is not going to help you make it out of this thing alive. You know what it is? Canned food, non-perishables, and staying away from a people who might be sick. However, we're buying up all the toilet paper. You don't need the toilet paper, but you want it, so you go and buy it. Because everybody else wants it. You're like, well, I better get it now because it's going to take months for the stores to restock them. So I'm going to go get all this toilet paper. <laughs> Me, personally, I'm, in, I'm looking into buying a bidet. <laughs> just wash the poop right off. I don't, need to, I don't need toilet paper. Just wash it off with water and then dry. Take a little bit of toilet paper and dry it up after, you know, after it sprays you clean. But the difference is I don't need a bidet. I want one because it's cool. And I've been to foreign countries, and they all have them. And it's interesting. I'd like to have one in my own house. I don't need to have one in my own house. I would like one. I think it would be nice. So Johnny doesn't need to change his oil in the middle of a work week. Sure. The guy's at 3,000 miles, and he's putting regular non-synthetic oil in his car. He should probably change his oil. He needs to change his oil. But he doesn't need to do it on my time. He can do it on the weekend when he's off already. He wants to do it. He wants to do it in the middle of the week because then he doesn't have to spend time at work. So that's how that whole story comes back to wants and needs. Just because they need to do it doesn't mean they need to do it right now. They need to do it right now because they want to do it right now because now is convenient for them. And by you telling them to wait until the weekend when they would normally be off, that's unpopular to them. But that's the right answer. All right, I'm done with that. And then number five, build depth in the bench. So there's your uh, there's your sports reference. And I know that every major sports uh franchise in the world right now is taking a pause because they don't want to get sick but take your first round draft pick your best person your most qualified your most reliable person that's your first round draft pick build your team around your first round draft pick that's what they do in major sports franchises they build their team around their first round draft pick okay that is our strongest pick that's the person we want the most so who is the best person or the best people to team that first round draft pick up with? And you build your watch bill that way. Your import watch bill, your at sea watch bill. And then you're going to quickly realize that you don't have enough depth in the bench. You don't have enough pitchers in the bullpen warming up ready to go when needed. And that's because you or the person you relieved didn't push qualifications, didn't push training, didn't push the standard of what qualifications and proficiency and knowledge should be. And when little Jimmy wants to go on leave, and little Jimmy's your RPPO, but he wants to take leave in the middle of an availability where you know damn well you're going to have broken stuff. Who's your, who's in the bullpen as your RPPO? Who's your secondary RPPO? Right. Some people, some people don't have one. Okay. Uh, I don't know. 
little semen schmuckatelli because I'm losing 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 my train of thought with names here. But schmuckatelli wants to go on leave, but he's your only work center supervisor. And again, next week is a, is your ship's 3M inspection, and that's when he wants to take leave. So yeah, as the chief. You should be qualified RPBO and know how to put a job in and know how to order parts and know how to interface with your supply department and yada, yada, yada. You should also know how to do a force revision and how to enter a job or feedback report and how to do a spot check and all this other stuff. But are you really maximizing your people and their professional development if if you can't send somebody on leave or give them time off because you have an upcoming 3M inspection? or you need to order parts during an availability, you should have every person in your division qualified RPPO. You should have every person in your division qualified work center supervisor. You should have every person in your division qualified QA craftsman. You should have two or three people qualified QA supervisor and QAI inspe- or QA inspector. So that if somebody breaks a leg, or they get sick, or their wife is pregnant, or they... You decide that you want to give them what they want and actually let them go change your oil in the middle of the week. It doesn't stop you and your progress dead in its tracks. So train your team and build your team so that you have ready replacements at a moment's notice. It's very important and there's a lot of people out there that don't do it. So those are my five and I could keep going. But that's those are the those are the most important to me, and I think that a lot of people would agree that those are important. I just don't necessarily agree that most people apply them as best as they could. So hopefully, it's refreshing for somebody to hear that stuff. All right, fair enough. I can buy that. Um, all right, so for for longevity's sake, just that uh, sounds like a, a fairly good stopping point for now. Um, it's been been long enough. Uh, so as a general statement, uh, uh, if, if anybody, if this was useful or if anybody enjoyed it or wants to hear me and him talk about anything and everything again, or anybody's got specific questions about, uh, I don't know, any, anything that we've talked about or has comments, you want to tell us that we're all completely screwed up and we're out of touch and we're wrong. That's fine. It could be true. Uh, I would love to hear that. I, 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 I am not going to say that I am right with any of it, but, um, but, uh, yeah, if anybody's got any of that, that feedback, uh, uh, let us know. Um, and, uh, it'd be interesting to hear and we could talk about it more or you could join and it can have a more in-depth conversation instead of a delayed questioning. Um, but, um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, thanks for spending some time with me, um, across a couple of nights to, to get this together. I'm glad it worked out. Uh, you are welcome. And thank you very much for asking me. And uh, I look forward to doing it again soon. Who yeah. Oh yeah. All right, everybody. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I, I, as I record this, I haven't gotten to listen to the entire thing yet, but I plan to before I go down. But I, uh, I genuinely enjoy not just the, the willingness of people like, uh, like him to do these things and, and, 
uh, for Chief Bob to fill the gap, but just the the fact that uh, the platform is expanding in a way that even allows things like that to happen and that people are interested in, in doing that and helping out. So uh, I really appreciate those guys for doing that. And uh, any other interactions that you guys hear from them going forward uh, or any of the other people that I have on that end up helping out in any way, shape or form. Uh, thank you so much for, for helping me uh, keep everything going. Uh, if you guys need anything from us, which, which, like I said, in prior episodes, Bob will be monitoring the, the social media accounts and the, in the email for me, but, uh, don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram at the podcast or Reddit, uh, or you can get on the threads. Uh, he'll be posting the, the stuff there as well in the, in the subs for, uh, our Navy and our Degas podcast and just engage in conversation with, uh, Bob and others about the, the episodes and, and I will be getting in there and engaging with you guys as much as I can from, <laughs> from bed, uh, essentially as I go through just recovering from a pretty major surgery and then I'll transition into some radiation treatment. So don't know how uh, able I'll be able, uh, or how able I'll be, uh, to, to do everything, but I'll definitely engage as much as I can through my phone, uh, on those platforms. So I'll try to answer you guys as, as much as I can. Uh, and then Bob will be monitoring as well. Uh, if you could like, share, subscribe, review, do all the things on social media, helps us get the word out there, uh, and, and get the platform visible to the people that need it. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. And that's what cheap Bob's got for you today. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. Mm-hmm.